Hey, today I want to start with a uh, provocative question, okay? And this one's going to be rough, so buckle up. Um, have you ever asked yourself, what's the worst thing that I've ever done? Yikes, right? Like, why would you start with that question? Well, get out a pen and some paper, start jotting down some notes. Todd's going to pass around the microphones. Um, just kidding. We would never do that. We would never do that in a million years, of course. Um, but have you considered that there is a worst thing that you've ever done, right? That we've all done a lot. So there's a best thing that you've ever done, and there's a worst thing. That Mother Teresa has a worst thing that she ever did, right? It was probably like not saying, bless you, when somebody sneezed. Uh, mine's a lot worse than that. Um, but how would you even start to like quantify that? Like, would it be something you did to somebody else? Would it be something you did to you? yourself? Like, I don't even know where to start. Uh, but what I would say is there's some contenders that when you live long enough, you do some dumb things, right? Some things you're not so proud of. Um, it, and as I think of that, I want to follow up a provocative question with a bold statement. And that statement is this, that we are all desperate for a taste of forgiveness that we're desperate for it. And I know that can sound offensive and you're saying, hey, Ryan, you don't know me. Like, who are you to judge me? I'm a good person. I give money to charity. I help little old ladies across the street, right, Ryan? And I filled up so many of those stinking IPM bags. I can't even count them. There's red ones, blue ones, green ones, polka dots. I filled them all up. Like, who are you to tell me that I need to be forgiven? And I would say, hey, I'm not here to judge at all. But what I would say is that studies show that in one week, we spend five hours thinking and feeling guilty thoughts and emotions. And it looks kind of like this, okay? In your given week, we have a, a lot of what they call free-floating guilt, right? And you're like thinking, you're like, you know, I really shouldn't eat this for lunch, but these nachos are so delicious, right? And you pile in a little bit, you know, and, and fellas, you're at the gym, you know, and there's always that shredded guy named Thunder who does CrossFit, you know, and you're on the treadmill eating a donut, and you're like, oh, man, I'm terrible. You know, and ladies, you're on Facebook, and you see that mom's group where that mom is still, like, sewing clothes for her kids, you know, and you're like, I'm the worst mom ever. You know, and it's this free-floating guilt that just keeps coming and coming, like, my lawn doesn't look as good as my neighbor's lawn. You know, you throw in whatever you want, it just keeps piling in. And it starts to get a little heavy. Right? Well, then you consider the fact that maybe we've done some dumb stuff in our life that we would do differently. And there's some heavier things that we think of with guilt that are a little bigger. Like, I wish I would have spent more time with my parents when I could have. And that gets put in the bag. Or I wish I, wish I would have worked harder in my marriage. And that gets put in the bag. And that bag's getting heavy, I can tell you. Or, you know, I wish I wouldn't have made that bad business decision. It cost me a lot, you know. And, and we all add stuff to our bag. And some of us, friends, were better at wearing it than others. Right? Some of us, we wear it on our sleeve. And everybody sees that we're weighed down by guilt. And others of us, we bury it inside and nobody sees it. But either way, the result is the same, that it... It weighs us down, right? Slowly but surely, let me tell you, if you're wearing this backpack for long, it would start to weigh you down. And I wonder, is there a better way? Like, could there be a better way to live life than carrying around a backpack full of rocks? Well, well I think there is. 
And in fact, that's what we're going to look at today it is a story from Jesus. Our red talk is going to be a dinner party, okay? So Jesus gets invited to a very fancy dinner party, all right? He is the guest of honor at this dinner party. And at this party, there's going to be two prominent guests, okay? And these guests are going to be so different from one another. One of them is going to be the kind of person that you think Jesus would hang out with all the time. And one of them is going to be the kind of person you think Jesus would avoid, all right? And they are going to be as different from like Mr. Rogers to like Ozzy Osbourne, okay? They're just so different. And they come to this dinner party with very different motivations for getting near to Jesus. Uh, but they both come with the very same need. And that's going to be a need for forgiveness, and one of them is going to see that and ask for it and get it, and the other won't. Let's check out the party. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down. And behold, a woman in this city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of fragrant oil. That's hard to say. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. So here's our two dinner party guests. Okay, there's a man named Simon, we'll discover. And he's a Pharisee. And he actually invited Jesus to this party. Um, and then there's a woman. And the Pharisee, what we know about Pharisees is they were religious leaders and they literally were kind of set apart. That they lived lives to keep rules. Okay, if there are 10 commandments in the Old Testament, they wanted 20, right? If there was a line that you shouldn't cross, they wouldn't come within a mile of that line. Um, they were rule keepers and, and they wanted people to know that too. Okay, so they kind of strutted around like peacocks. Right, so you got Simon over here and then over here you have a woman, okay? And this woman, we're not even given her name. But we are given a horrible kind of placeholder for her, that she's a sinner. And it, when the Bible uses this um, in the New Testament, it's talking about sexual sin, typically. That she's promiscuous in some way. And, and most Bible scholars think that she's a prostitute, okay? So you have this crazy dinner party being set up. And it sounds like the ingredients to a bad joke, right? You're like... A Pharisee, a prostitute, and Jesus walk into a bar. You know, like that is what's going down. Um, and, and to understand this party, I'm going to have to show you a little bit of what's happening, okay? So at these fancy parties back in the uh, Middle East, they would sit. That they would eat at low tables. Okay, they would sit on a, a pillow. And you just imagine Jesus is sitting, he's, he's eating you know, I imagine him eating like grapes and cheeses and stuff, but it's probably more like figs and fish. Um, and he, he's eating and in walks this woman, okay? And just imagine, she walks in and she's weeping uncontrollably. She starts washing his feet with her hair. And she's crying on his feet. She's kissing them. She's anointing them with oil. This is crazy. Like, this doesn't happen at our dinner parties, let me tell you. Um, and Simon, the Pharisee, he's watching this and he's very uncomfortable, let me tell you, okay, us fellas, we don't do well with crying women in general. Um, but he's a Pharisee with a prostitute in his house. He's super uncomfortable. But what about her? Again, we're pretty certain that she's a prostitute. It's a PG service, so I won't go into that greatly. Um, but I would say that we would all agree that nobody chooses that 
as their first choice, right? This wasn't her plan A. This wasn't her plan B, C, D, E, or F. This is plan Z, right? Like this wasn't her choice. And what we know to be true that she's probably in this line of work, if you will, for four reasons. One is like really, really broken relationships in her family of origin. One would be extreme poverty. The third would be an illness. And the fourth would be just brutal force that she's being made to do it. And we know this to be true because those are the four main causes of someone going into that field today. And I don't know if you know this, but in America right now, it's a horrible stat. There's an estimated 2 million people working in the prostitution industry. Crazy. And I say industry because there's a revenue. There's an estimated $14 billion revenue in the prostitution industry. And the worst stat of all is the average person gets into this at the age of 15 years old. Let me tell you, I have an almost 15-year-old daughter sitting here with you in the crowd today, and, and a whole lot would have to go horrifically, terribly wrong in her life and in our family for her to find herself in that situation. And I think the same is true of this woman, friends, um, that it's easy to think, oh, she's just a prostitute. Oh, no. Like, this, this lady has experienced so much trauma, so much brokenness, that she is carrying around a Mount Everest-sized pile of guilt and shame. And somehow, she winds up at a dinner party with Jesus. Right? Like, just imagine. Think about it. Like, how does she wind up at the feet of God? It's just, it's crazy. Like, she's just strolling through the neighborhood, and she's like, oh, it looks like fun. You know, she just needed to wash her hair. And she's like, hey, I'll wash his feet too. We'll kill two birds with one stone, right? Like, no, I don't know. Um, but I think we have a good understanding of the fact that this isn't the first time that she's encountering Jesus. That as we look at the book of Luke, which is what this story is out of, um, for the chapters leading up to this, you see Jesus going around the region and he's teaching and he's healing people. He's feeding people. That she had encountered Jesus before, I firmly believe. And here's what I think she might have heard. Okay, three chapters earlier in Luke 4, it says this. Jesus stands up in the synagogues or the church and he pulls out a scroll and he reads a prophecy about himself from the Old Testament. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to the, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. So just imagine, she strolls into the synagogue that day and, and she hears Jesus saying these words. She hears Jesus saying, hey, I've come to preach the gospel, which sounds very churchy, but just means good news, to the poor. And she's thinking, hey, I'm poor. I own nothing. And she hears Jesus say, hey, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And she's like, man, do I need healing. My heart is in a million shattered pieces right now. And she hears Jesus say, hey, I have come to bring liberty to the captives. And she's saying, hey, I might not, we don't know for sure if she's forced into this, but she's certainly held captive by this line of work. It's not her first choice. She hears Jesus say, hey, I've come to bring uh, restored vision and eyesight 
And she's thinking, man, I would long and love to see a new day filled with hope. And she hears Jesus say, I have come to bring liberty to those who are oppressed. And I mean, who's more oppressed in this culture than a prostitute? Right, so you, you hear all this and she hears it. And I think she grabs onto it, right? It is a lifeline of hope. And she grabs onto that and she hears that Jesus is at a dinner party. And she shows up, friends, and she's carrying her backpack of pain, her backpack of guilt. And I think in a moment she is instantly transformed. That forgiveness is transformational, right? In a moment she's able to drop this backpack. And now she's transformed in the very tools of the trade, if you will, are now being used in amazingly different ways. Right? Her beautiful eyes are crying tears of thankfulness on Jesus' feet. Her long and luxurious hair is now being used to wash Jesus' feet. Her lips are now giving the purest kisses of her life to the feet of Jesus. And the perfume that used to be used to allure and draw in is now being used to anoint and celebrate this forgiveness that she's found. That forgiveness is transformational. And I think it, it begs us ask in our lives, or it does for me, if, hey, where in my life, like, could I use some transformational forgiveness? Like, is it in a relationship? Like, is it maybe a relationship with an adult child and adult sibling where there's been this coldness that's just kind of grown? It's gone from weeks to months and months to years, and you don't even know what you're really mad about anymore. You just know it's there, and you're like, man, I wish something could be transformed or is it in a relationship internally that like you've, you've done something dumb and you look back and you're like, man, I wish I could forgive myself and move on. But it is just, it's so hard. Or maybe, maybe it's that, that you, you might need to encounter Jesus at the dinner party. And you need transformational forgiveness of God, which is hard. And I would say, friends, that it's, it's so much easier to talk about accepting forgiveness than it is to actually accept forgiveness. Because it's, it's kind of offensive if you think about it, right? Forgiveness is sort of offensive. And, and we see this right away at this dinner party, okay? Where imagine the woman's washing Jesus' feet. And now Simon, he, Simon who had invited him saw this. He spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who... And what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And here we again, we get this kind of horrible word that she's known by. And Simon's saying, hey, you know what? I know what manner of woman she is, Jesus. And if you're really the son of God, like you should know that too. Right? We know what manner of woman she is. And what Simon's doing here is he's doing this comparison thing that I think is really easy to fall into. Where he's saying, hey, hey, Jesus, her stuff over here, her brokenness, her big Bible word, her sin, it is big. And it's like a fireworks show, right? Like that. we went to Anderson Days last night and there were fireworks and stuff. And this is her sin. It's big and everybody sees it. But my sin, Jesus, it's like a little sparkler. I'm just over here holding a sparkler. You know, nobody sees it. You know, and her sin, Jesus, her sin is like so bad that like it's going to take like Niagara Falls to like clean her. But my sin, it's not bad. I just need a little, little thimble full, Jesus. Like I don't need much, right? And, and we do that. That is so much easier to see like the struggles of other people than to see our own. And that's what Simon is doing here. He's offended 
by this woman. He's offended that she's in his home. He's offended that she's touching Jesus, being this like hair masseuse podiatrist down here. You know, he's like, what is that? Um, And sometimes don't we just encounter people that were like, I don't know if they deserve forgiveness, right? Like in 2015, our family, uh, we lived in Myrtle Beach for a while and we were still there. And in June of that year, um, a horrible thing happens. Like two hours south of us in Charleston, um, a young man walks into a uh, historic African-American church, never been there before. He sits through an hour of Bible study um, filled with mostly senior citizens. He's greeted warmly, he's treated kindly, and, and then he stands up and he begins to shoot, right? And maybe you remember, he kills nine innocent souls. And, and it's horrific, and as the, the days unfold, we learn more about him. Um, we learn that he's a, a racist guy, and out of racist hatred, he's trying to start a racial war in America, okay? He's literally driven there to try this. And two days later, they have a bond hearing, okay? I don't know why, because they're not going to let him out. Uh, They have a bond hearing, and the majority of the families of the victims ask if they can speak, which is kind of rare. You don't typically do that at bond hearings. Um, And and they all speak, okay? And they've never met Dylan. That was his name. They've never met him or seen him up until that point. And they walk into a room with him for the first time, and, and each of them shares of their wound and their their struggle with this, but then the vast majority of the families, every, every one of them, they say these three words. They say, I forgive you. That 48 hours later, before their loved ones are even buried, they're looking at this evil guy and they're saying, hey, I forgive you. And I remember watching this, okay, because we lived in South Carolina, so it was really kind of in our face and being angry, right? Like not only angry at what he had did, but I'm kind of like, guys, don't forgive him, right? Like I'm the good Christian pastor. I'm like, he doesn't deserve forgiveness, right? Like he hasn't said he's sorry. He's not repentant. He's still spouting out racist, racial hatred. Like don't, don't forgive him. Wait 20 years. Maybe he'll have a change of heart. You know, he'll ask for forgiveness and then you can like, you know, bestow a little bit to him, but don't, don't forgive him. Like I was offended by it. And again, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And a guy who is not a Christian, a a British author, uh, he's a head writer for the uh, National Review named Charles C.W. Cook. He says this. He says, I am am a non-Christian, and I must say, that is a remarkable advertisement for Christianity. (laughs) That this guy who's an atheist, he's watching this unfold in Charleston, South Carolina, And while I'm feeling offended that they're forgiving this guy, he's saying, hey, since they forgave him because of their faith, like that's the best commercial that I've ever seen for Christianity. That forgiveness is offensive in some ways, but it's also powerful. Right? Like it's powerful enough that a prostitute who would have walked around in shame carrying this big heavy backpack of guilt, um, that she's transformed by forgiveness enough that she can walk into a dinner party filled with Pharisees who are all judging her and boldly wash the feet of the Son of God. Like that's powerful. But Simon, okay, Simon is so offended by her that he doesn't see that he might just need a little forgiveness of his own. That he just can't even consider that. And let's look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus is going to try to help him understand what's going on here. 
He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing to which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. So friends, here Jesus is trying to help Simon kind of see what's going on with this whole forgiveness thing. That if Simon is offended at this woman because she's forgiven, um, Jesus is trying to help conquer the real offense that Simon's feeling. That Simon was sort of offended by Jesus. Right? Jesus had been going around saying, hey, you need to be forgiven. You need to be um, saved. All of these words that we see. And Simon's saying, hey, I don't need any of that, Jesus. That forgiveness is kind of offensive because it's offensive to be told you need to be forgiven, right? Like, have you ever been in an argument with somebody? This is the best, right? You're in this, like, couple-day argument, conflict, and you come together to talk, you know, and, and before you even get into it, they say this. They say, well, I forgive you. And you're like, well, wait a second. Like, I never apologized, right? Like, I never said I was sorry. I'm not even sure I was sorry, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to apologize now, right? Because it, it's kind of offensive to be told you need to apologize, and I bet even like my first question today of like, hey, what's the worst thing you've ever done? You're like, ugh, it's offensive, right? And then my follow-up bold statement of like, hey, we all desperately need some forgiveness in our lives. You're like, oh, I don't need that, right? It's, it's offensive. And Simon is feeling this. And Jesus sets up this riddle for him, right? Where he's saying, hey, one, one debtor owes 500, one owes 50. And I think what Simon thinks here is he's saying, hey, Jesus, let me help you out. It's really more like she owes five million denarii in your little scenario. And Jesus, I'm over here and I owe like five denarii. Like, let's just call it what it is, Jesus, right? Like, she's much worse than me. And he gives the, uh, I love this, he says, I suppose, right? I call that my teenager answer. Like, anybody have teenagers out there? So you're having a conversation, you're trying to help them understand like right and wrong. You know, well, hey, it's 1230, your curfew was midnight. You know, don't you think you should have like called, texted, sent a smoke signal, carrier pigeon, like something to tell me you were going to be late? You know, like don't you think that's bad judgment? Well, I guess, right? Like have you ever gotten the I guess? Um, well, the Bible, I suppose, is your teenager's I guess, okay? Where Simon is saying, sure thing, Jesus. Like I don't agree with you, but let's just move it on. Let's get this conversation over with. Um, but like a good dad, Jesus is going to push in further because truthfully, he loves Simon, right? He wants Simon to understand this. So he's going to push in a little further into this to help Simon see that perhaps he might need a little forgiveness as well. He says, you have rightly judged, Simon. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. That at these fancy parties, okay, the guest of honor who was Jesus, his feet should have been washed by servants, or at the very least, like a pail of water that Jesus could have washed his feet with. And he's saying, you didn't give me water on purpose, like you snubbed me. But this woman, she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. That in that culture, it's customary to give a kiss of peace to the guest of honor when they came in. Simon didn't do that. 
But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, another thing that should have been done. Sounds weird to us, but culturally it was expected. But this woman was, has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And here we have our, our key words for the day out of this red talk. That Jesus is saying, hey Simon, yes, she's been forgiven much. Like there's no debate. We're not trying to get around that. We know that she's been forgiven a lot. But she also loves greatly because of that. Right? Like she's washing my stinking feet with her hair, Simon. Like that's crazy. Right? It makes us all blush. But he's saying, hey Simon, you've, you've been forgiven little because quite honestly you don't think you need it. And, and because of that, like, you, you love little. That, Simon, you're religious. You're a rule follower. You're probably as pure as a person can be. But, Simon, it's, it's just not enough. Because as Jesus just pointed out, he's like, hey, in the last hour, your pride has been on, like, amazing uh, display for all to see. That you have snubbed me every minute of this dinner party. And friends, I think it bears thought that whether we are more inclined to be like the, the woman who wears our, our guilt maybe on our sleeve, and it, people see it, they feel it, they understand it, or we're like Simon, and we bury our guilt. And it's kind of like, eh, it's, you know, my precious from Lord of the Rings. It's hidden there. Nobody sees it. That whether we're here or we're here, that, that truth be told, like we all stand in need of the forgiveness of a loving God. And, and I know that is offensive to hear, right? Like it's one of the most offensive things of Christianity, but it's only offensive if it's not true. Right? Like if it's true, then it's, it's love and it's truth. That ultimately we really only have two ways to approach faith, okay? We can try to be like Simon, right? Where we're like, you know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to do good stuff and, you know, and, and try to work our way into God's favor. Uh, the downside to that is like the price of admission is perfection. And I've broken that since I've started speaking today. Um, or we can be like the prostitute. Okay, that's funny. You didn't think you are going to come to church and say, be like the prostitute. Uh, we can be like the prostitute and we can come to Jesus and say, hey, you know what? I do have some brokenness in my life. I do have some struggles. I do have some places where I've hurt people and hurt myself. And I could use forgiveness. Right? Like the role model in this story is a prostitute. Like how crazy and the most beautiful thing I think of the Christian faith is this, that, that it's not about the amount of sin that we commit. It's about the amount of sin that we'll admit. <laughs> right? That like she's the role model in the story. This guy's done way less bad stuff and he still doesn't get it. And Jesus is going to finish this dinner party out. said then he said to her your sins are forgiven and those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves who is this who even forgives sins then he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace 
So the Pharisees are all sitting around and they're, again, they're very offended by this forgiveness that this woman is getting from Jesus. And they're saying, hey, who is this man that offers forgiveness? Like, who does he think he is? What is this man? And I think they have it backwards, that I think it's this man is forgiveness. That like Jesus literally embodied it. That to have met Jesus at this dinner party would have been to have met forgiveness. To encounter Jesus right now in 2022 is to encounter forgiveness. Um, that he literally embodies it. And I wonder for you, like, where's, how's your backpack? <laughs> how's the backpack feeling these days? It's camo backpack, so you can't see it, but let me throw it on here again. Oh. Man, because I, I think we all, we all move between the woman and Simon, if we're being honest. Right? And that's the best news of this forgiveness from Jesus. It's not just a one-time thing. He's like, hey, you're forgiven for everything you've ever done up until 2022, but anything beyond that is on you, buddy. Um, no, it's, it's recurring that you can go back to the well when you need it. And I think that's the most beautiful part of this. And um, The last thing I'll say is that the woman's not left with her name. That up until now, her, what she's known for is sinner, right? And I love that last line of that verse, Gage, if you can pull that back up, that he says, hey, your faith has saved you. That for years, who knows how old she is, how long she's been in this line of work, feeling this guilt, carrying this backpack, but forever she's been known as the sinner. That's what she's known for. And now Jesus says, hey, your faith has saved you. The fact that you heard me talk about freeing the captives and giving sight to the blind and you, you took faith in that and you held on to it, that's, that's what saved you. That forever now she is known as faith in my book. That she's going to be forever known for being faithful. And friends, that's the business that God is in, okay? God is in the business of taking that thing that weighs us down and when we allow him, when we ask him, he takes it off our shoulders so that he can lift us up. Okay, that we can go from Sinner to faith, from broken to whole, forgotten to known, that that is the business that God is in. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks for your love. I thank you that you could sit through a dinner party with a prostitute and a Pharisee and the prostitute walks out as the role model. And I pray that you would help us to see um, our need for forgiveness. And I, I just confess that that's hard. That it, that it feels offensive to be told I need to be forgiven. Um, but I also know that the backpack gets heavy. Thank you that you have come so that we could be lifted up. That, that you long to take the things that weigh us down in life and take them off of our shoulders so that we can be lifted up in your love. In your name, amen.